Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast, where we've got cheesy grins again. We're celebrating yet another win. Oh, just an easy one though, really, wasn't it? Away at Liverpool 1-0. I did say tongue-in-cheek next time we speak, we'll be celebrating our win at Anfield. I didn't actually mean it, but it turns out we are. 1-0. I'm joined by Andy Knott and, of course, Peter Marsh. Hello, boys. Hello. Hey. And I'm taking it, we're all on uh, cloud nine, aren't we, at the moment, and still celebrating that one? I'm getting a bit bored of these wins now. It's a bit kind of dull. <laughs> I know, it's, it's all becoming very matter-of-fact, isn't it? Yeah. Um, lo- loads of great things to say about that. I mean, it was, uh, what's that, three, three, four wins in five, is it, I think now? I think five wins, two draws, and one defeat, which was a narrow defeat to Man City with a contentious goal. Um in the last eight games. Um, it's the first time, apparently, that Salah has started a home league game in which Liverpool haven't um, have, have actually been beaten. So uh, that's that's a first. And, of course, it, had it not been for those pesky lots in Burnley, we would have been taking the first uh, full three points off of Liverpool at Anfield in three years. But they got in ahead of us. That's not our fault. It On the other hand, a... we were able to be the, the first team to win a second and another you know, two in a row of defeats for Liverpool in about nine years. So that's even bigger. I think yeah. their, first, their first two home defeats in a row in the league for yeah, nine years or something. Yeah, indeed. And um, I have to say, in contrast to my complaints about the BBC Five Lives coverage, as heard on the podcast post-match of the Spurs game, on this occasion, they were waxing lyrical about us, and they were on match of the day too. Um, for once, it was nice to hear that there was actually credit given to a team that played well and engineered, and I think imposed their game on the on the match as a whole. And Liverpool couldn't get into their strike, could they, guys? I mean, Andy, obviously they're playing a lot of games, and their style of play is likely to lead to the sort of problems that we saw symptoms of I think on Wednesday they looked lethargic they looked jaded didn't they to be fair yeah yeah um I mean I should have thought about this at the beginning of the season and now at this current juncture it looks as though um Pep has played a master class because he's conserved their energy but the mm. the heavy metal football the gagan pressing of 
uh, um, uh, Liverpool hasn't been able to sustain itself. And um, yeah, we we bore the fruits of that on Wednesday. Um, although, and we'll come on to it, um, yeah, we're suffering as well as a result of the heavy fixtures. Um, and I was always sympathetic to Klopp's point early in the season that um, we should have had five substitutions um, mm. as it was yeah. post-lockdown, post-first lockdown. I, I just found that whole subs thing really bizarre that they went for nine subs and three only could be used. Yeah. It just felt like a middle ground that no one was happy with because there's no point having nine subs. If you, whereas the Championship, I think they have seven subs and five can be used, which is weird in itself as well. You'd have thought you'd have nine if you're going to have five used, but to have nine available but only three used is very odd. Hmm. That's very, very odd. Really sort of compromise that doesn't actually please anyone. I mean, it, that might also explain Southampton's dip in form as well, because, I mean, their their squad is looking threadbare at the moment, but they play the most similar style of football in, in the Premier League to Liverpool, um, and they're getting a lot of injuries and, and yeah, look, look tired. Yeah, the irony is, of course, um, we've been doing well, and we've been doing well possibly by coincidence, but I don't think it is, that we've been having more of a settled lineup, um, match to match. But of course, the paradox of that is that um, as a result, we seem to be uh, getting some injuries as well now. Um, thankfully, we've pulled off some results which have given us some breathing space um, in which to endure those injuries, I guess. We'll get into the details of that coming up. Um, but um, just to really go through, before we get into the match in full, just wanted to go through a few bits of um, general football news. We'll get that out of the way and then we can get our teeth into the match in detail afterwards. Um, first of all, a bit of sad news. Captain Tom Moore uh, passing away. He's turned into um, a legend um, out the blue in the last year or so. He's uh, with his charity work, Walks for Charity. And um, unfortunately, he contracted COVID and, and passed away a few days ago. Um, that was such a shame to uh, to see that happen. But, um, you know, rest in peace, Captain Tom. Um, on more lighter note, a much lighter note, in fact, Sean Dyche's press conference a couple of days ago. Did you see that, guys? <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I mean, there's something slightly disturbing about Sean Dyche. He, he seems intimidating even when he's bantering, doesn't he? There's something quite quite unnerving about him. He looks like... Um, Joe Pesci in, the God, in Goodfellas or something like that. You're not quite sure if whether to laugh or not laugh. Um, he seems aggressive even when he's joking, um, but it was quite funny talking about looky-likeys and all that sort of stuff. Uh, did you catch it, guys? I've heard about it. I haven't actually listened to it. Uh, heard I, I caught a bit of it. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was quite quite amusing. He, he, he was basically playing a riff on the whole thing of press conferences being boring and lighten the mood and threw in a few jokes about Lucky Likey's being a good game to play when you're going on holiday with the kids and all that sort of thing. Um, mentions of Bungle, uh, Chris Evans and uh, Mick Hucknall, amongst other things. <laughs> um, any Lucky Likey's in the football world you can think of? I'm, I'm thinking uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer looks like a cherub or a, a Cupid kind of figure. But beyond that, I can't think of any, mate. No. Off offhand, no. no. I'm sure there's a few out there. We'll, if you, any come to you, boys, just throw them in as we go. Um there's also another amusing bit of news. Um, there was a game in Holland where a team were losing 3-0. I've forgotten who they are, actually, but the team that came back and won 4-3 with four goals from the same player, that in itself is a great story. 
but not as good as when you hear that the guy who scored all four of those goals is called Jizz Hornkamp, <laughs> which has got to be the most magnificent football name of all time. <laughs> Just leave that one hanging there for a moment. Um, he's obviously very good at shooting. That's the only pun I'm going to throw in there, but, uh, you know, magnificent. The world's a lot lighter for Sean Dyche press conferences and Jizz Hornkamp being in the world. Um, anyway... <laughs> You're the mature, <laughs> sensible one, are you? <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. Mature and grounded, I think, was the phrase. Mature and grounded. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, we still think he might have written that himself, though. So. <laughs> Pseudonyms on the stand chat, indeed. Um, other news? Um, there was a, a great bit of news, actually, with Nuno Espirito Santo donating, personally donating £250,000 to local um, causes in the Wolverhampton area, which is pretty commendable. I know he can afford to do it, but... You know, it has to be said, but nonetheless, not everyone is doing that. Um, yeah, a lot of so people can afford to donate charities who don't. So, you know, it's kind of good for him. Yeah, yeah. Great little story there. Um, Emma Hayes, interesting story with her. Chelsea manager for the women's team, of course, has been linked and, and possibly interviewed for, I'm not sure, the, uh, the AFC Wimbledon job after um, recent sacking there. They are struggling a lot. Um, and um, that was an interesting story. Possibility of the first female manager in men's senior football in this country. Uh, well, not many of them across the world, to be honest, either. Um, but it's turned into a little bit of controversy. Um, apparently, she's made some comments about um, about it not being necessarily a, a step up uh, because Chelsea's women's team is a prestigious job within the, the women's game. And apparently words are misconstrued. And it's cool. oh, yeah. it's all I, and I, I kind of get where she's coming from there. It's like, why mm. would you go from a job at the top of one Premier League to a third level of English football? And it, it is quite patronising of the media and yeah. gen general to actually regard that as a step up just because it's in men's football. You know, it's obviously what she's got literally the, the best pretty much job in women's football in, in the UK. She, Chelsea are doing really well. Why would she want to move from that to, you know, to basically playing to, to League One? Yeah, to the Iguan football in, in England and in um, men's football. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I there, there are several taboos that need to be broken within football. It's a kind of bastion of um, a, a previous area. Um, hmm. And, you know, there's no reason why there shouldn't be female managers, just like there's no reason why there sh shouldn't be any kind of current out Premier League players, for instance. Hmm. Uh, or indeed, yeah. out managers, you could say too. If I was a, a top women's manager, I probably would not want to take a men's job unless it was offered quite as high up as I am, or at least close to as high up as I am. And at the moment, that's probably a long way off. So it may well be that we're not actually going to have, have a women's manager in a men's game for a while because the sort of job that they would expect to get, quite rightly, is not the sort of job they would probably be offered. You know, a Premier League job, in essence, or at least top championship. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to be a League One or League Two club. We might go for them, and they might. And I, I would say, in their situation, I'd be like, "Well, why am I? I can probably get paid more in the prem, in women's football as well if I'm in a top club. They may, they may well get paid more than they would do at Wimbledon or or I think Bradford. I think one yeah, point. Indeed. I mean, she, she seemed very irked by the way the media had um, received this information and tried to put a spin on it, and quite rightly so. Uh, also, there do seem to be quite a few hang-ups within amongst figures in the women's game. Again, quite rightly so about general attitudes and um, perceptions and, and the way stories are presented 
um, and the way assumptions are made. And I, I do think you're right, Andy, um, taboos need to be broken there. I wonder if one of the out footballers that um, there's very few of them, of course, um, Thomas Hitzelsberger, probably most famously, and there's a Canadian guy, I've forgotten his name as well. Hitzelsberger's, um, he's taken a role in German football administration at the moment. So he's not likely to be a football manager, but I wonder if someone else perhaps who might come out as a player after they've retired and then subsequently comes into the game again as a manager, whether that might be an interesting bridge, uh, should we say, between uh, between what we have now and what we might have with, with football players coming out while still playing in the future, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, interesting. But anyway, on to other matters. Um, uh, VS Boas and Marseille, there's been a lot going on in Marseille. They've not been happy with the way things have been going. Ultras went on the march with all sorts of pyrotechnics storming the training ground at Marseille, hurling missiles at um, staff players and, and at the manager, um, some landing as well, apparently. Um, it's not a healthy camp at all. If they've overstepped the mark massively there. They are a bit nuts, the, the Marseille ultras, it has to be said. But also, Vias Boas has now offered his resignation after the club deliberately bought somebody that he expressly stated he did not want to sign to the club so there's obviously a really bad setup and management um situation going on there um it sounds a total shambles doesn't it the exact opposite to the albion <laughs> i think he's actually now gone hasn't he i think they've, they've, they've kind of put him on disciplinary for yeah he's, he's on suspension played, now yeah but he offered a resignation in a press conference it all seems yeah an absolute mess i mean it's the exact opposite, you say, opposite of albion where everyone does seem to be pulling in the same direction even if things, you know, a few weeks ago weren't going that great. There's no doubt in my mind that everyone was pulling in the same direction. The plans were, you know, behind the scenes, all the kind of the board and the and the, yeah. the, the backroom staff and the, the manager, and they all had the same kind of plans and that sort of thing, whereas like Marseille just seems in a bit of a... And Villa Spurs generally, until about four or five games ago, was doing a pretty good job there. He did well last season. Um, and then he, he was carried on doing well this season until like four games ago, and they've lost like four in a row now. So whatever's yeah. happened has obviously yeah, had a big impact. Yeah, I mean, so could you imagine Albion storming Lansing training ground at some point in the future of some Albion fans? Oh, like, I think. <laughs> we might might go there with our bottle tops and, uh, and throw <laughs> them at uh, uh, try and throw them at Barber or something. But, uh, <laughs> um, in other French football news as well, Ramond Dominic, of course, <laughs> France football's uh, very own top level clown, he's back in football. Um, remember, he's a guy who's absolutely nuts when he was with the French national team. I can't remember exactly the antics, but he made a complete fool of himself, had a dreadful record. He's now back in the game with Nantes, um, taking over there. And they've subsequently gone a straight five-match losing run uh, as soon as he came in. I think they did draw, actually, um, in midweek. So he's, he's curbed that run. Um, apparently, in those first five games, um, they lost all five. They had seven shots in target. Um, across the five matches. So impressive managing. Uh, yeah, I can't believe anyone's employed him. He's an absolute nutcase. Um, anyway, there we go. Um, Make Chambers, so for all of us. <laughs> there, was, there was a nutcase of another sort in Brazil, apparently. There's a guy who's been banned um, for eight games for exposing himself um, after his team got promoted to the top division in Brazil. Apparently, he scored a, a, a crucial goal and um, went on a run, goal celebration, and took his shirt off and, by all accounts, the rest of his clothes and and did a little bit of a swinging motion and <laughs> apparently has, has ended up getting an eight-game ban. 
again, <laughs> you'd like to think that's not going to happen in England, but who knows? Brazil's a funny old place, isn't it? What part of his mind do you think thought that would be a good idea? You what part of his mind thought that that part of his body should be on yeah. display? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> it's, it is... Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's I, I don't know. There's, there's nothing more I could say really on the matter. I don't know. Andy, have you got any views on this one? Hopefully not, if you no. see what I mean. <laughs> it's, uh, oh, dear. Well, anyway, um, swinging things back to the Albion, uh, again, using puns, sorry about the swinging comment. Um, Connolly, um, Aaron Connolly's apparently come in for a load of hassle on social media and pulled himself off said forms. Um, Something to do with fans having a go at him after, I presume, after one of the recent games. It wasn't it was after was Liverpool, it was earlier. From the sound of it, it wasn't mainly Albion fans. It was built gamblers who obviously had put money on a 2-0 win or whatever. And, and oh, they, really? Yeah, right. so I, it's interesting. I, I had a look up, there's something on the North Stand chats about the other day, and it sounds like most of it wasn't actually Albion fans. It was actually, there obviously were a few idiots who were, were doing that, but mainly it was people who were, yeah, just who probably put money on a 2-0 win and were just random people and just having a real go at him about that. Yeah, someone lost about grand on an acre. I was hearing um, as well. Thanks to that as well. Uh, thanks to us winning that is. Yeah, so um, thanks to the event. Thanks to Connolly's miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wouldn't be anything to do with that. But no, it is tragic when people feel the need to have to come off yeah. social media. But um, yeah, such is the way. Um, any other news? Um, your well, end, guys, you wanted to throw in from today, I suppose. Although we can cover it a bit more in Liverpool game as well. Is Solly sounds yeah. like he might be out for the season, which would be a huge blow if it's true. Because um, he's been, I'd say, after Basuma, our best player this season, personally, in my view. Yeah, he's really come on, hasn't he, Andy? Yeah, um, uh, he's he's made for that role. Um, I actually think he's probably our third best player this season. But um, we can the other one, who you say, out of interest? Webster. Mm. I knew you'd say that. I can't really argue mm. with that. Um, but, yeah... Um, to me, it looked as though he's done his um, anterior cruciate ligament again. Um, yeah, so he's had two long spells out over the last of his time out, hasn't he? It's a real shame. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it does look like he's just going to be one of those players that's going to be plagued with knee problems. It'll probably come again. I wouldn't be surprised as well. Um, I, I would. I mean, I would also say about Solly is he's probably our most irreplaceable player um, at the mm. moment. I mean, the, the, if if it is the case that he's out for the rest of the season, to me, there are three people that can play that role that he plays. One would be Dan Byrne, who has performed amazingly well over the last um, few weeks. Um, I, I've never been that um, smitten by him. Um, I think Alzate could fill in there. He's played there before. Um, and we've got our new guy who you're going to tell me how to pronounce his name. Kabovnik. Kabovnik. A lot of Kabovnik. pressure for a 19-year-old, isn't it? But he isn't the, really the most natural replacement, but hmm. it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah but um, the, the whole idea that we have is that you acclimatise and integrate players, mm -hmm. and he's only been with us for two or three weeks. Um, and he's only 19. The, the other option, though, is that we move to a back four. Um, hmm. because the system that we've been playing all season is kind of made for both Lamptey and Solly, and we don't have either of those available at the moment. When Lamptey comes back, I can see a case for him playing slightly further up, up the field. Hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is that. In terms of Gavovnik, yeah, I just simply don't know enough about him. Obviously, his young age and the fact he's climatizing to English football, you know, from from a standing start. That's that's one thing to mention. That people are saying a bit too soon. I don't know if they mean in terms of match sharpness because he hasn't been playing, or whether there's any other issues to deal with in terms of getting used to the the teammates. But I, I guess he, I could see him being involved at some points. Um, but I do think um, Andy's suggestion of a back four is likely to be the um, the option over the coming weeks. Um, found it, got it working with the three at the back. You know, we've really started to yeah. out the silly mistakes that really kind of impacted our first half of the season. And we've been brilliant, obviously, like four clean sheets in a row. And then to lose a player is so crucial to that. While also, obviously, with Beltman out and Lamptey out as well. I mean, it's a, I mean that's the problem. If they go four at the back, who plays at full back tomorrow? Is it, if Beltman's still out, is it like, well, Burn obviously yeah. left back. Who plays right back? Does White play right back? Which yeah, is the obvious one, isn't mm. it? Starts to get stretched, doesn't it? That's the yeah. thing. We're actually going to be short um, defenders, ironically, given our yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in in terms of that, let's if we go back to the Liverpool game, um, which we haven't really started talking about, but I've never been taken by um, Burn as a left wing back. I think he's been pretty solid as a left back. Um, uh, apart from when he wasn't given any support um, and Trehore exposed um, several of his frailties. Um, but I thought the way in which Potter organised the team was exemplary against Liverpool. And one of the ways was that um, Byrne played in the far more advanced position with this kind of long ball from Sanchez going and, and from others as well. Um, but... Um, Webster played far wider to deal with the threat from Salah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it it was very a very adaptable style, wasn't it? I was quite impressed with how how well we just um, we we just drained them of opportunity uh, throughout the game. I think we adapted during the match as well. Um, we we just forced them to have to be precise and perfect to have got anything, and they they just looked, as we said earlier, a bit too jaded. To be able to rise to that um, to that extra challenge, um, the the notion of us parking the bus, we'll go, we'll get into the finer details in a minute. But yeah, I mean, I think it would be very very casual and lazy to say that's all all we did because we certainly didn't. Um, yes, they had a lot of attacking, but our attacks on goal, uh, well, our shots on goal and our shots off goal were higher in terms of figures than theirs. So, you know, we we certainly were getting at them as well beyond the fact we snatched a goal. It was, it was more than just that. But yeah, I was impressed with the way we set up. And and your man Webster, um, Andy, I have to say, uh, quite rightly given man of the match, I think he was absolutely colossal in the game again. Um, other players played very well, but he, he was superb. Um, in terms of the lineup, by the way, just uh, for anyone that didn't know, Sanchez, of course, in goal, we have White, Duncan, Webster with March and Byrne effectively in the wing-back roles, at least on the face of it. Um, as you said, it, it was adapted during the match. Grosh, Basuma and Alzate in mid, and then uh, Morpé with Trossard further forwards. Um, and it has to be said, Liverpool had a, a, a much weakened team because of the injuries as well as the fatigue. Injuries have plagued them all season. They had um, one, a new one to deal with in this match with Kelleher having to come in uh, due to actually, I think, illness for Alisson. Um, they had Trent Alexander-Arnold. They had Matt Phillips. Henderson again having to play at centre back and Robertson as their back line. Midfield of Thiago, Wan Aldum and Milner and Salah, Firmino and um, 
Shakiri up front. So that's how it lined up. Um, in terms of our lineup, I mean, we, as we mentioned earlier, we've been keeping more of a similar team, haven't we, week to week, um, notwithstanding uh, injuries and stuff like that. Um, do you think it was the right setup? I mean, obviously, it's easy to say yes now <laughs> as we won the game. But were you nervous about that lineup when we started off? I felt pretty comfortable with it, I think. Burn as a possible wing back being the only worry. But uh... yeah, I agree with that. I think we we, we were probably yet yeah, given that we lost Beltman and McAllister, I think we probably had the best lineup we could have, really. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he was ever going to bring a more attacking player in for Veltman. So Burn had to be the option. He would only defend the left bar in Kovovnik. So I think we had no real choice there. Um, yeah, and I thought Byrne did really well and uh, actually could easily have been, it ran Webster pretty close for man the match, I thought, generally, um, as all the defenders did, in, in fairness. Um, yeah, so I, th- I don't think, anyway, I don't think it'd been harsh to argue with uh, uh, any of it. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the curveball mm-hmm. in there was was Solly as right wing back. I mean, uh, mm. the, the defenders could have shifted around a little bit such that he was playing on the left and uh, probably White playing as right wing back. Um, yeah, they even had Alzate playing right wing back. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, that's right. It was adaptable, and he it? It did change it around. And um, the other thing is, I've noticed. Um, obviously, we've, we've seen drives forward from Webster and the like. We've also seen White getting into a lot of very attacking positions yeah. in recent games down that right hand side, in particular. Um, and in this game, uh, another key feature was Burn. The, the as you said, the, the level of forward play he got himself into key positions obviously there was that famously that chance which looked like a bad miss and actually was a bit of a tricky chance when it was looked back on in uh, in replays um he got forward obviously in the, in the build-up to the goal there was also another um another cross i think he got in which was cut out somewhere that you know he, he was really getting forward wasn't he he was playing as a, a pretty attacking player in places and he was described by the football ramble podcast as a marauding giant <laughs> which i thought was quite amusing i think it was and and sky and uh on bt as well how many players we got in the area at times you know for the goal and mm. for other, other other points in the game you know it wasn't a. and this is what was a few other than a few bit liverpool fans who i've seen on twitter everyone's accepted that we didn't go there and just defend 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 and hope to to nick a goal from a set piece like we actually we actually had more shots than Liverpool. We had more shots on target than Liverpool. We, you know, we had less possession. But but those two stats, I don't think corners were wasn't that different anyway in corners. But we actually really gave it a go. And Liverpool just yeah couldn't deal with Dan Burn at the far post randomly, which is not something anyone thought they'd ever. <laughs> Yeah, and on the analysis, Stephen Warnock was uh, was on Sky today, and he was saying uh, on Friday uh, saying um, that uh, Trent effectively lost Dan at the far post. Um, he didn't really notice he was there, or if he did, he didn't think he'd be a threat. So he had the freedom to get as much of a head on it as he wanted to. And um, yeah, and that's the other point, isn't it? He used his head productively. I know people have criticised that element of his game, but, uh, you know, he caused problems with that. Um, in terms of stats, we... There are 13 people that people don't talk about. Everyone talks about how wonderful Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are going forward. But yeah. actually, the, the comments have been made. They're not that great at the back. They're not brilliant defenders. They normally get yeah. when Van Dijk and, and, or, and Gomez or exactly. Matthew were there. And then you've got yeah. Fabinho or Henderson protecting. They're a lot more covered. But when they're not, they're actually they're actually a bit vulnerable at the back. Yes, they're brilliant going forward with assists, but they're not, they, you know, they're not bad defenders. I'm not saying they're terrible, but they're not as amazing as they are going forward. 
Yeah, and they've got Colossuses at centre-back normally, and, and with those out, out the team, the whole way they play relies on being able to be gung-ho because they're so solid in, in recoveries. And, and obviously that's weakened. That means that affects the, the effectiveness of the wing-backs and, and their inclination to risk things perhaps a little bit more for fear of being exposed. I think and then you get... about certain about obviously Mane and Yotta and... Hmm. Van Dyke and all that, and Alison. They miss Sabino if anyone more. He's the anchor, yeah, in the yeah, and we yeah. actually have quite controlled the midfield quite a lot of that game. And, yeah, and on win- top of all that, on top of all that, you've you've got the fact that um, partnerships. We talk about partnerships on the pitch. They're they're not able to establish any at the moment, which is, um, as I say, it, it's a weakness of theirs. And yes, that did make it easier and more likely for us to be able to get a result. But it's still a damn difficult job to do so. And um, commendations to Graham for engineering a plan which was able to do so. Um, Andy? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple of things on what's just been said. I, I, I'm going to uh, pick on Peter. Um, I think Andy <laughs> Robertson is one of the best left-backs that, um, in the past decade um, as, as a defender as well as going forward. Um, mm. The amount of covering tackles um, and positional play and his kind of motoring up and down it, I mean, he, he almost plays like a, a left wing back as well as a left back. Um, but the the point that was made earlier, and it, it was there on Match of the Day, and I, I, I thought Match of the Day's analysis was, was really, really good, was we did flood the box. We had several players in the box um, that was highlighted. Um, and when Southampton were playing really well, that was one of the features that I kind of noticed um, and I think we haven't been flooding the box this season. Um, and that might have been something that was different about that. But I suppose the thing about flooding the box is you have to be extremely selective about how you do it, um, especially when you're playing against a team like Liverpool, because if, if you're committing the, that many players forward, um, then you're exposed to the counter-attack. And of course, um, uh, there was a masterclass of that provided by Liverpool um, just a few days earlier um, with that second Salah goal against West Ham. Oh, yeah. What a goal. Yeah, that's right. And I do think that the other thing is that obviously Liverpool being more jaded, a bit tired from what the exertions of before and so on, there's just a little bit of a lack of sharpness um, in terms of getting forwards, just holding onto the lines, pushing us back, forcing us to adjust our defensive positions. I don't think they were able to do that as effectively in this game as they had done in previous matches. Um, just that lack of sharpness makes a yeah. difference, doesn't it? The enthusiasm, that that front-footedness and just getting on, you know, making runs before the pass is made, that sort well, of stuff. In, really. in 90 minutes plus injury time, they had one shot on target and out a deflected one off the Suma that just was straight at Sanchez. Yeah. That's their we have four target. four shots on target at yeah. Liverpool. Uh, 13 shots off target to their 11 as well. Salah um, should have really uh, done better with both his chances. But other than that, yeah. they didn't really miss any great chances. We put a few blocks in and there were moments like that Webster one from the from the um, Thiago free kick, which was ridiculous. Oh. I mean, because we need, you could understand why they'd have all been caught short by that. It was such a brilliant idea. And Webster just got back. It was such a brilliant, you know, kind of clearance. Brilliant, was wasn't it? Superb. And his tackle on Salah as well in the second half was superb as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, was, that was superb. Joy to behold. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, their efforts, I mean, there was that Salah one very early on, which is one of the things, one of the only two things I think that you could criticise Webster for. 
um, he, he kind of lost him. It's kind of understandable. And I watching that, um, Liverpool, one of the reasons why Liverpool don't get caught offside much is those players are so wide, you know, Salah and Mane, they're so wide that they can look down the entire line and position themselves so well to make those kind of um, angled runs. Um, and, and that was one of those. And yeah, I mean, that, that by his standards, that was a very disappointing finish. But um, beyond that, their best chances, uh, I suspect they had several um, uh, uh, efforts on goal, but mm. we were just launching ourselves, um, Dunk especially. But um, there, there was one block that Dunk made where you could see that Webster had thrown himself um, behind. So if Dunk would, wouldn't have got it, Webster would have got it. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was quite amusing, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> Watching him flying in. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to go on about him too much, but um, it's also <laughs> worth having a look at his celebration when the goal goes in, um, which you can. Uh, I, I know Peter's saying that his his watch match of the day a few times. You, you can see it certainly on that um, his celebration when the goal goal, goal went in. Yeah, well, let's talk about the goal. And that was obviously the key feature of the game because it's the only goal. Um, we've mentioned Burns' part That's in really it. Very sound analysis there, Russ. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Cheers. Moving on then. No, no, um, yeah, no, Bur we've mentioned Burns' part in it, obviously getting the, uh, the... It was a good cross from deep on the other side. He, he sees it, heads it first time across. And then, of course, uh, the ball is finished with a plomb by Trossard. No, Alzate. No, hang on, Trossard. Or was it, was it Alzate? <laughs> there was some contention, wasn't there, about it. It's been given to Alzate. I think that's probably right, isn't I it? I really like um, the contention on both Match of the Day and the, the BT coverage that basically we give it to Alzate because he celebrated most. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect reason to do that, isn't it? He looked, he looked most convinced that he'd scored. I think it, it was, yeah, I mean, obviously the finish was a, a, a trifle fortunate in the end, but it was a brilliant move. I mean, it was really well worked from the back you know from the start Burns started it in a way with a ball into the middle and kind of like and then broke forward and obviously yeah I mean for he actually is surprisingly quick for somebody who's six foot seven really and he and, and it was actually I thought actually a fantastic header because the ball was slightly out of his reach and he did really well to get it back across goal into across to um Alzate it was brilliant header. Yeah, absolutely and I mean in previous weeks that, that chance would have ended up not going in because we would have gone each other's way, fouled each other, and they would have probably counter-attacked and scored. So that's what would have happened a few weeks ago. But now it just seems to be falling right for us. Small little details, little differences. Um, and, and fair play to Alzate. I mean, he goal-poached the, um, the Alex, Alexis McAllister shots in the Blackpool game. I think he could probably lay a better claim. Well, it's, both of them are definitely his goals, but he can lay a better claim to this one in terms of purposeful... Um, attempt um i was really and, yeah i mean because he's he obviously was at the start of the season i thought he's gonna become a real yeah. regular in the team alongside basuma in midfield but um he seems to have lost his way a little bit this year but I, i've been really impressed by him and yeah hopefully he'll get become a more regular and as andy was saying i maybe i probably if we we're going to stick with three at the back i'd probably be inclined to play him a wing back over the, at the weekend even more so if Beltman's out because i thought he did a pretty good job there it's not ideal that it's not his position but he did a pretty good job there last season yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of Alzate, you could see why he hasn't played much, actually, in that Liverpool game, because he gave the ball away, kind of careless passes uh, in our own half um, a couple of times in, in that game. Um, in terms of the goal, I, I mean... 
I think it was really, really crucial because I was actually really concerned um, in the period prior to that in the second half. I thought Liverpool came out and it looked as though they were going to dominate us. Um, so the timing of that goal was absolutely perfect. Either side of that kind of 10, 12 minutes at the beginning of the second half, um, I, I was supremely relaxed about how well we were doing. Um, I just couldn't see them scoring afterwards, actually, because we, we were so well organised. Um, uh, it was exceptional. And something else that was exceptional was... Um, you, I mean, Russell, you described it as a good cross. I thought Solis' cross was was amazing. I mean, he yeah, hit actually, that yeah. at real pace. Um, and um, I agree with Peter about Burn stretching it. He put it right in that kind of corridor of uncertainty. Um, and I don't think any other player in our team would able to do that just the sheer height of him. Yeah. I think that's the reason he got it back across. Um, and the the difference there was we actually had, you know, we had three players around the ball, and we had one or two others. You know, Burn was obviously another one in the in the box, but Mope, Trossard, and and Alzate all went, you know, were very very close for it. Um, mm -hmm. Someone else was in the box at that that point as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I realise I've given them a disservice there actually by by saying good cross. It was actually yeah, it was a superb cross in. Yeah, yeah, I've understated that one. Um, I, what, what you said about confidence as well, I think also applied to the Spurs game. I felt strangely relaxed. I wouldn't say completely relaxed with Liverpool because it's such a massive result if if you pull it off and you know how dangerous they can be. But I would say more so than Spurs have been recently. Um, they, they've been on a resurgent run, haven't they, Liverpool? And they, they look like they've got their mojo back. Um, but nonetheless, I was strangely relaxed considering the scenarios in both those games because of the way we looked composed. We didn't look, we didn't look um, jumpy. We didn't look edgy uh, in general when we didn't have the ball or when we were trying to clear something or try and build an attack where a pass going astray could have led to a counter-counter attack. We, we seemed to be quite relaxed in the role, which yeah. a lot of teams in our situation, given our position in the league as well, wouldn't have been. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we've, I think the Tottenham game must have given them huge confidence, having got that home win off their back. And you know, maybe if it'd been the way around, we might not have got the win at Liverpool. But I will say, I mean, I obviously was all for seven the show before. I've been a big fan of Ryan, and I do, I still think the way that he was maybe dropped down to fourth choice was unfair. Even if I, I didn't necessarily have an issue with him being dropped, but dropped down to fourth choice. But I, Sanchez has made a huge difference. I mean, the four clean sheets in a row, and that corner at the end. I mean, much as I love Matty Ryan, he would never have come anywhere near that corner sensibly because you wouldn't want him anywhere near it at five foot, eleven, six foot. But Sanchez, the way he claimed that corner at the end was simply yeah. you know, brilliant. I mean, he was almost on the edge of it, not far off the edge of his area, and he just dominated the the ball and because he didn't really have anything to do on the whole game. But that moment at the end where it could have been quite nervy from a corner, he yeah, didn't, absolutely, he absolutely took that. You know, took that, took it on himself caught it and just like took all the pressure off and it was brilliant and fair play to him. I mean, the guys come from Rochdale and being our fourth choice to being first choice Premier League regular. We won the, some of the best stats in the Premier League. You've got to give credit where it's due. And speaking yeah. of Sanchez and, and, and your point that you made um, 
on WhatsApp uh, earlier on today, or I think, or yesterday, was about um, how we've we're not particularly scoring any more goals. We haven't necessarily sorted that, but we have found a way to concede fewer. So that balance that yeah. we, when we do one, we do the other as well. You know, we score but we concede. As we've 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 redressed that balance, and that's why we're getting results. It happens yeah. to be against really good teams as well. And Sanchez like, uh, is Sanchez part of that because he. Yeah, well, he's he definitely seems to that, yeah. he imposes such confidence, and he's what is he twenty three? But he he seems to have a huge um, charisma and presence about him. Um, you see him at the end of the game when he's beaming, smiling, you know, with the result. There's something more than just his happiness on show. There, there's something special exuded there. I think he's he's a real real player for us. I was I was I saw a stat the other day that I think it's our fewest number of goals in the space of five games all season. Yet we've got ten points from those five games, or yeah. in the last case in four in the last four games full stop. But oh, from City yeah. onwards, it's been a, we only scored three and goals, and it's our fewest goals all season. So we've definitely not sorted the attack issue. Yeah. And I think I was saying in December, my feeling was that we either needed to change the manager to be more pragmatic, or we needed to change to get a striker in. Now it actually turns out that Potter's become maybe a bit more pragmatic, and he's also stopped move changing the team around too much. He's he's yeah. kept a solid backline. We've had the same players playing pretty much. For like the last four games, barring injuries, and yeah. and we've solidified, and that's worked. I mean, that was the perfect middle ground, really, in a way. If we can just find a way of getting that second goal, we'll be a real force to be reckoned with. That's the one area now we should have scored more against Tottenham. We, I mean, Liverpool probably harsh to say we should have, we should have scored more. We could have done. We had one or two other chances. Tottenham, we should have done definitely. I mean, we really should have won it two or three nil, and that could have come back. And Leeds as well, we could have won by more. That could come back in other games and you know kind of bite us. So. We just need to get that second goal now. We need to start being a team who, who really can you know, take their chances. And if we can do that, then we could be a top-half team next season. Yeah, and we've, 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 um, we've become more pragmatic without compromising style, which is the beauty of it. And it's four and a half games now, isn't it, without conceding, which is, which is brilliant. Including um, half against City and, and a whole game against Liverpool, a whole game against Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. Andy, I think you were trying to say something as well on the, on the same subject, was it? Um, well, uh... I'm not so sure that we have necessarily changed our style too much. Um, I, I, I really agree with what Peter said that, that um, Sanchez, for someone who's what got 10 Premier League games um, hmm. uh, in, under his belt, exudes so much calm and confidence. Um, the way he came to claim that ball, but also there was um, a shot that he just, you know, he comes out and claims the ball as if it's just like, you know, he's in a yard. Um, and that that is transmitting itself to the centre-backs, players, players around him. Um, well, the, there was that thread on North Stand chat in terms of, um, and this refers to the stat that Peter was talking about, um, We've only scored three in the last five games, yet we've got 10 points. Uh, um, uh, there is that thread on Northstown Chat, which I still haven't had the time to read, actually, but they were referencing it on Radio 5 Live a few games ago, I, I think um, before the Fulham game or something along those lines. Um, the And I'm as guilty as everyone else of saying that, was we, we were focusing on the finishing, but it, it's it's actually the number of goals that we've conceded. Um, and again, we've stopped um, conceding from set, set pieces since Sanchez has come in. There was the um, Sias goal, um, 
which was um, an incredible header, I thought. Uh, yeah. It was brilliantly finished. But but since then, we, we've, we, you know, that was a point of concern. Um, and uh, Potter's acted. He's made a really bold move in bringing a 23-year-old in. You know, uh, as, as I said last time, I don't think it was just Potter's decision. I think Ben Roberts is behind this an awful lot. Um, but it, it really looks at the moment that it it's paid off. Um, that's not to say that he won't make mistakes. He's really young for a goalkeeper. Mm. Um, and um, what tends to happen is that our fans will jump on him if that happens. Um, uh, for me, he's got an awful lot of credit in the bank. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And the problem, the, the, the concern I have with Ryan going is that we don't really have the quality, the option to take him out of the firing line if that happens as well, which is sometimes the best option if you have a couple of mistakes, have a game or two where you just sit out and don't play. And that that was my worry because I'm not still not convinced about Walton or Steele. But as a, as a first choice keeper, yeah, Sanchez has been superb so far. And, you know, I mean, he's playing for Rochdale last year and yeah, and that was his highest level of football. I think he probably would have been loaned out this season if it wasn't for Walton's injury. I think they kept him on because Walton was injured for the first like two or three months. Mm. So they needed a third keeper. Otherwise, he'd probably be on loan to win a championship. And yeah, it's, it's funny how things work out, really, isn't it, in the end? Well, the other argument that was launched against uh, um, on the Ryan situation was that um, it's kind of unfair of him to leave him dwindling in the reserves. Um, I mean, I, I really, I, I don't think that... It, um, the club thought he was the fourth ch choice keeper. They've just got a different rationale as to who goes on the bench. Um, your point there is valid, um, but um, I suppose you know the the point I always thought about Ryan was that he he wanted to play. Um, you know he's now going to get the chance to play because Leno picked up a red card at Arsenal. But I I thought it was a strange. Um, decision is to go to Arsenal. Well, I think he's got he's got some kind of an injury actually, so he may ironically he might even miss out. Okay at least... It sounds like he's going to start tomorrow against Villa. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. Arsenal's former reserve keeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's madness, isn't it? Well, they're always quite boring ones when we all all agree because we've done well. <laughs> but it's um it's quite pleasant, isn't it, to be able to celebrate this? I mean, it's brilliant. It's our first win at Anfield since. Um, 1983 when we were on the cup run first win in the league since the year before that 82 um, and um, well I mean I, I, I think it's brilliant I, they may have been not at their best but that is always a magnificent result um, the results what, around us went our way as well I mean everything else yeah, went really well say, we yeah. lost, Burnley we, lost um, Fulham lost Sheffield United won but they beat West Brom who were nearer than us anyway you know it's yeah. like literally every result went our way around us pretty much yeah, yeah we, I mean, we, we, we leapfrogged a couple of clubs, didn't we? And we're, I think we're now 10 points above the... That's right, yeah. Zone. Yeah, I mean, who, who would have thought, because one of those clubs is Newcastle, I was itching to get above Newcastle on this prediction of them coming dropping into the equation. And after they um, they beat, uh, we, we drew with Fulham and they beat somebody, I thought, ah, and now we missed the chance and now we've gone further away. Who would have known we would then beat Spurs um, after they won their next game? And then and then we would um, we would then win at Liverpool to get ahead of them. Didn't they? In, the, in the early kickoff on Saturday, so before that was we it. Spurs, 
And they that was it. And we thought we thought we'd never catch them then. <laughs> but it, yeah. it twists, doesn't it? It's funny. It's like so, yeah, I mean, Christmas when we always thought like we might catch Arsenal and then we never quite did, and then they beat us. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking at the table now, yeah, Sheffield United are up to 11. So um, bad news for Derby. They've now equaled Derby's points total. Surely they're going to overtake that now. Um, they've, they've got 11 from 22. West Brom have got 12 from 22. So they're really in the mire now. Fulham have 14 from 21. Burnley, who have got that same game in hand with Fulham, have 22 points. So there's an eight-point gap for Fulham to deal with. Um, they're playing and, but, game in hand, aren't they? Burnley and Fulham. Yeah, Fulham, Fulham and Burnley. Yeah, but Newcastle being on twenty-two as well means that it is good for Fulham um, if they can win that. They would, they would gain ground. Um, but change though, even at stake. I mean, at Fulham at half time at West Brom were only. I think we'd equal games only two points behind us. Yeah, so, and now they're ten points behind us. But obviously, they didn't beat West Brom. They only drew, yeah. and then we've won two, and they lost again. So you know, yeah. it can twist up. so much, can't it? But, so, but if you look now with Fulham, who are, who are top of the relegation pile, they're 21 games played, so they're two games past halfway and they've got 14 points. If they were able to double that in less than half a season, they'd still only have 28 points, which is four more than we've got now with a, a possibly an inferior goal difference, who knows. Um, I think Andy's theory from a few weeks ago that a low points total would, would do it is, is, is proving more and more likely the case. I, I'm now think I, I said 35 would definitely do it. I'm thinking 33 would definitely do it now. The way things I'm, are going, I'll be supremely confident on 32 points. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would because I mean that's a huge gap soon for Fulham actually because Newcastle tomorrow have or this weekend have Southampton home who obviously coming off a nine or defeat where they've lost a number of they've got a number of players out on a really bad run of form. If they could get a win there and Burnley could beat Fulham in a couple of weeks, Fulham will be looking or mm. well, the bottom three will be looking very very. Very, very you know, dangerous in very, very big trouble. So. Yeah, absolutely. Burnley, of course, are playing us. We'll come to that in a second. Um, the the other games are, um, what have we got? Sheffield United have got a home game with Chelsea. Chelsea fresh off the back of winning away at Spurs. So they'll be buoyant at the moment. And they've got the new manager in place doing well too, course. So unlikely anything significant is going to go on there, um, you wouldn't think. But anyway, the main thing is, yeah, we've, you've got West Brom, away at Spurs. So they've got a tough fixture there. Um the main thing is Fulham. Yeah, Fulham have got um they've got yeah, they've got the West Ham game. And that's gonna be yeah, that's that's gonna be a tough one. West Ham are playing well. And if we can beat Burnley and West Ham beat Fulham, I think I would be pretty much confident that's that as far as us Concerned. Um, certainly start to look up. If we beat Burnley, we'll have a five point gap to them as well. And you could certainly yeah. start to begin to look up at maybe at the likes of Palace and Leeds and Samson, you know. Yeah. And- yeah. I mean, pa- Palace beat Newcastle for us, which was good. And yet they're still only five ahead of us. So that's, um, that's doable. And they've got Southampton themselves as well. So for what that's yeah. worth in the season, I mean, it doesn't really matter home or away, does it really? Yeah, indeed. Well, just to round off then, as far as it goes for us, we've got Burnley away, Turf Moor. Um, we've been talking recently about head-to-head records and noticing a lot of very symmetrical and balanced head-to-head records. Well, here we go again, uh, because we've both won 11 games and there's been 14 draws between the teams. So whoever wins this, if somebody does, um, will have the edge overall. Um, traditionally, from my recollections we seem to be drawing a hell of a lot of games with Burnley um, I think they had one lucky win didn't they which was uh, um, no we won last season didn't we 2-1 they won the Hewton uh, season there and they, they won both in the fact the Hewton the last Hewton season because they did a double over because they had that one with the penalty where the guy basically handled it in uh, his area and then they broke away and 
and got won a penalty of their own and we should have had a penalty in the first place. Yeah, that was that's ludicrous, wasn't it? Yeah. I think they um, got a side goal at, at, at Turf Moor as well. So, well yeah, yeah, that's right. The last time out, of course, nil-nil at the Amex, um, in a game where we underperformed. I think they were there for the taking, to be honest, in that match. They were in their lesser form phase and in general, that we, we, it always feels like Burnley are there for the taking and we don't actually achieve what we should do in this, this fixture. Are we going to go on better and get a win or is it is it going to be the draw that I reckon a load of people will be predicting for this game? I, yeah. Go on, Peter. Here you go. Um, I'm, uh, I, I, I think the, the nil-nil may well be an option. I mean, I, I've won a hmm. few bets on the album actually i i won nil nil half time against fulham nil nil full time against fulham and i also got a liverpool win um but i i think a nil nil may well be likely uh, um it'll be a low scoring game um albion fans as far as i'm concerned tend to have very wild mood swings and we're we're <laughs> We're also, we're very much on the up at the moment. Um, but all I'll say is we tend to play quite well against teams that come at, at us um, that want to try and win, um, which is why our record under Potter has been pretty good against the top six, eight, um, yeah. or whatever. Um, whereas we don't tend to be very good against a team that plays with a very, very deep block, which is what Burnley will do. Um, and they'll, um, you know, play their normal game um, with two, two forwards, two big strong forwards that will try to bully us, um, and they'll try to get free kicks and corners and so forth. Um, yeah, it's going to be niggly. Be, it's going to be cagey, isn't it? That will be a big test. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. So um, I suppose that. The only other thing that I'd want to say is um, I don't think our form really has improved that much of late. I think we've been playing pretty well all season. Um, yeah. I I thought we played all right actually against Burnley and should have won that game. Um, I seem to remember Pope making a few saves, certainly from Welbeck um, yeah. in that game. I, I would say that the, the only games that we haven't played well would be Leicester, the second half against West Brom and probably Sheffield, um, well, um, I thought Everton were, were at their height at that point um, hmm. and we made mistakes in that game. Alzate made a mistake. Um, Trossard made a mistake. Um, uh, Sheffield United um, at home, we didn't play very well, although we should have won that game. Um, we really should have won that game. Um, and as I've just mentioned him, um, I think over the last couple of games, because I, I, I haven't spoken about Spurs, I think Trossard has been, been brilliant. And he had an amazing opportunity against Liverpool um, where he cut back in. But he's been very, very influential. I, I thought he was pretty good against Fulham at home, despite the fact that everyone else was focusing on that, that miss which he should have put away. Um, and it's worth um, well, against Liverpool, I thought it probably would just allowed anyway, because Lalana was bizarrely just standing in the way rather than getting out the way, which I didn't really understand. Yeah, he was in the line yeah, of fire, wasn't he? Out so the way and, potentially interfering. Yeah. yeah. 
but, but in, terms of, in terms of our finishing, one of the things that I would like the coaching to do is to get the players to lift the ball a little bit. Um, because I think that effort of Trossard, if he would have lifted it a little bit, um, similarly with Connolly, um, quite a few of Mopé's mm. finishes this, this season where he's hit it well, but if he would have lifted it, um, he would have prevented the goalkeeper from saving it. Hmm. And that is the big issue for me in this game. You've got a really good goalie there in Pope, assuming he's available. Yeah, um, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's, he's probably well, the he best goalie in the Prem thereabouts. It's unusual. It, it, Sorry, it, Peter. His first goal was a mistake by him, which is very unusual. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't make many, does he? Um, yeah, and their, but, their two centre-backs are brilliant. I, I think Ben Mee is one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. Um, it's, it's no coincidence yeah. they had a rough start to the season when when they had Tarkowski was out injured and Pope had yeah. a couple of injuries as well. And then since they've been available, they've pretty much gone back to their normal obdurate start, you know, hard to beat sort of. And obviously one at Anfield as well, just like we have recently. Yeah, yeah, it's. I agree with that. I think uh, they... They have set, settled back into their stride. Fair play to Dyche year on year. He keeps doing it. And as you said, it was just a bit of an issue with personnel. They've sorted it out. It shows they are vulnerable when they don't have a depth of squad yeah. necessarily. That um, In terms of the quality, at least, and the depth of squad, um, they're well drilled. With O'Connell, you know, they probably would be in trouble if they lost Karkowski or me for the season. They probably would hmm. be struggling. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Maybe there will be a season one year where, where it all comes unstuck for them. But uh, certainly well, I, I would... I, 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 I think that might come sooner rather than later, actually, um, because they have got a little bit of an aging squad and um, mm. it has been mentioned on here before that they got new owners. Um, well, it looks like they've got Glazer-style new owners that are mm. racking up the debt. Um, and they've always been the lowest spending um, club. Um, so they, they've been an extremely uh, well-run club. So you're, you're not going to make it better um on on that front um so uh i think next season they might be in a little bit of trouble um yeah could well be as for this season i do think that they'll be all right and i do think yeah, um, yeah, if you are going with a nil nil i'm i'm joining you on that i think it's going to be nil nil as well so uh, tomorrow andy uh peter final thoughts yeah, on I, the game i find it hard to disagree with that i think they are the sort of team we struggle against for the reasons that Andy said, I think, you know, we, we have sorted out set pieces, but they would be very dangerous from corners and free free kicks. So don't give away corners and free kicks, silly ones. And actually, I wouldn't be too upset with the draw. I think it could easily be a case of after the Lord Mayor's show, after the week we've had, and going to probably Burnley is probably the place we least want to go to in this situation of all the possible places in the whole country because of the way they play and the system they have. And the fact that, you know, we obviously probably quite a few of our players be quite tired. A number of them play two games already in a week and they will, you know, they will kind of, you know, sit back and make us do quite a lot of work in like pass the ball around and they'll, they'll just kind of like try and hit it long quickly to Wood or Barnes or whoever's playing up front. And uh, yeah, well, they, they do yeah. have a few injuries. That's from what I've read. So they might be out without both Wood and Barnes possibly, which will be a real bonus. And there's like two or three others that missed me week as well. So that would obviously help because Wood and Barnes both always score against us, especially Wood. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like McNeil not to be playing as well because yeah, he's, he's their most dangerous player, I think. Yeah, he's the only Good real player, player that they have then, isn't he, really? It's not, the rest of them are very much more solid players rather than real kind of quality. But yeah. It's like you wonder how long I mean, he'll be there given the, the way they play and the, and the fact he's basically a really talented young player and you want to imagine someone will pick him up higher up the chain at some point. 
Yeah, well, West Ham like signing attacking midfielders, don't they? So <laughs> add it to their enormous army of them. Um, I, I, I do agree with you, Andy, that we, we do seem to benefit from playing more open sides, better sides even, uh, than these these sort of grindy kind of teams. Um, we've had a frustrating number of draws this season. The fact that we've managed to get results in those games against the more open albeit better sides in recent weeks, has put us in a luxuriant position where I didn't think we'd be in, which is that um, we don't have to make up for the lost draws or the lost wins uh, from earlier in the season, all those frustrating draws against teams around us. We can almost happily have those now for the rest of the season yeah. um, because draws all the way from here to the end of the season would guarantee a survival. Um, so, yeah, a draw isn't a bad result if we get one there. Obviously, we'd love to keep the winning run going, but... Um, it looks like we'll be able to continue to build on our new our record of, well, basically Spurs are the new Man United. Beat them every year at home. <laughs> it's going that way. And at Liverpool, four points out of six against them, um, the champions. Not bad going, is it? One bonus I'm thinking, actually, is, is with the two bottom three sides we've got to play are both away. And they'll probably both be in a situation where they'll regard that as a must-win game. So yeah. hopefully they'll attack a bit more than they would have they did at the Amex. And, you know, kind of like not sit back. So we will have to which will actually play into our hands and will actually benefit us. Yeah, I certainly want to beat Villa. We're playing them fairly soon. That's going to be one I'm looking We've for beat revenge. We've them already this, this season. You, you yeah. can count our wins on one hand. And Villa's yes, I know, yeah. But doing one, the double one, over them would be delicious. One more question from the game the other day. I thought, although obviously it was only quite late, it was only like about seven minutes he came on before the end. I was really impressed with Connolly. held the ball up really well when we needed it. And... Actually, you know, when 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 the ball was bouncing off a bit, you know, kind of Liverpool wanted to get it forward again. He held it up really well on two or three occasions, having had obviously should have scored. Although to be fair, I thought generally did okay against Tottenham, but should have scored. I thought he came on and for the last what effectively ten minutes, including injury time, really held the ball up and it kept the pressure off our defence because he he took it into the corner and he kind of held it up for the players. And I was very impressed with that. Yeah, I mean, he did it both against Spurs and, and Liverpool, um, and he's he's a quality player. Uh, we just need to give him a little bit of time. He's he's, he's twenty, and hopefully um, he will get a goal, and then that will create a momentum where he gets, you know, scores what three, four goals in six or seven games. And what, once he's done that, then he'll start to feel yeah. I belong here. Um, Great. One one of our best players is um, is of course Lamptey. He's been out with what looked like a, a minor injury. It's turned out to be more of a major injury. Um, is it going to be the same for Zaha, who of course went off with a hammy in his last game? Um, we've got them on the twenty second of Feb. Um, typically, he'll probably do what he always seems to do, which is seem to be injured before the game and then miraculously just about be all right in time for when. We play them. Um, will he be missing for longer? We'll wait and see on that one. Um, that's on the 22nd of Feb. Uh, that one we'll be doing a big build up to, I'm sure, in the course of time. But anyway, that's it for today, boys. Um, so we look forward to the Burnley game. Um, let's get the three points and, and get that giant step towards confirming survival. That's what I say. Um, always like beating Burnley when we can. Um, anyway, so Andy, Peter, thank you very much to both of you for joining me. Thanks, Thanks. Excellent. Great to, great to have you with us. And um, as usual, we will finish in the, in the current normal style by saying, stand or fall. Up the Albion.
Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.